The world has lost one of its greatest men, a warrior for his nation's freedom, and now a martyr for his nation's peace. For half a century, Yitzhak Rabin risked his life to defend his country. Today, he gave his life to bring it a lasting peace. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of this Zionology series. The clip you've just heard is of Bill Clinton speaking after the assassination of Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin. Rabin was murdered by a Zionist religious extremist in 1995 due to his seeking some sort of compromise with the Palestinians. This is the most high-profile murder of a Jew for reasons of Zionism. It certainly wasn't the first, however. That was the assassination of Jacob Israel Dahan back in the year 1924. Dahan was a famous Dutch Jewish writer, poet, lawyer and journalist. A humanitarian, in 1912 he travelled to Russia and authored a book on the conditions for political prisoners there. He hoped this would cause Russia's allies to press for improvements. He has been described as a precursor of Amnesty International, by no less than the organisation itself. As a result of this work, given that a lot of those prisoners would have been Jewish, Dahan developed an interest in Zionism, which culminated in his moving to Palestine in 1919. When there, he became more religious, ultimately becoming involved with an ultra-Orthodox community that opposed Zionism. He also became disillusioned by the intransigence of the Zionist movement, and their refusal to compromise with either Palestine's religious Jewish communities or its Arab population. While supporting unlimited Jewish immigration, Dahan came to oppose the creation of a Jewish state. The Zionist community grew to hate him, viewing him as a traitor. One Dutch visitor observed a group of Jews spitting on the ground as he walked past. Dahan remarked that they were actually showing the visitor respect, as had he not been there, they would have spat in his face. Dahan began writing articles for the Daily Express, informing the British public that Zionists did not represent all Palestine's Jews, never mind the Arabs. In July of 1924, he was due to travel to London as part of an Orthodox Jewish delegation opposed to Zionism. There were rumours he was going to persuade the British government that the Balfour Declaration had been a mistake and they should retract it. He never made it, however, as he was shot dead in Jerusalem on the last day of June. Initially, no one knew who had carried out the act, or why. Dahan had been receiving death threats from the Zionist community. However, he was also an open homosexual who enjoyed relations with young Arab men, some sources say boys, and I've no idea how old they were, but young enough to plausibly get him into trouble with their fathers. It seems that, Due to Zionist denials, the latter explanation won out in the public mind. To the extent the Zionists encouraged this, it could be argued that this is the first example of Zionist false flag terror. It wasn't until three decades later that the truth, at least most of it, came out. In 1952, Yosef Hecht, the first commander of the Jewish Defence Force, the Haganah, confessed to the group's official historian that he had ordered the assassination. Hecht further claims that he only informed the Zionist civil administration after the deed was done. 
Specifically, he informed Yitzhak Ben-Zvi, a senior member of the National Council who will go on to become Israel's second president. It's this aspect that is doubtful, with one Israeli journalist claiming more people in the Zionist leadership would have had to have known, and at the very least not objected. Hecht denies this. However, the actual shooter, Avram Tahomi, who finally confessed in the 1980s, stated that, quote, I have done what the Haganah decided had to be done, and nothing was done without the order of Yitzhak Ben-Zivi. I have no regrets, because Tahan wanted to destroy our whole idea of Zionism. End quote. I am unsure as to how consequential Tahan's actions could have been had he lived and gone on writing. Did he really pose such a threat to the Zionist movement that an assassination was warranted? Perhaps from the perspective of 1924 he did, but surely Zionism weathered greater storms than that. It's hard to imagine Dehan bringing the whole edifice tumbling down. If it's not a supremely consequential event in the history of Zionism, why, then, have I devoted this episode to it? It's because I think it's a highly consequential moment in Zionism's moral history, setting the trajectory for the future. It is this moral trajectory that I'm interested to draw out from the historical facts. Small moral sacrifices are never temporary and necessary measures. Rather, they establish a new baseline for greater sacrifices in the future. Ultimately, this leads things to become the opposite of what they were originally intended to be. We see this in that Theodore Herzl's intention, that Zionism should set the entire world a wonderful example on how to deal with native people, has led to the current slaughter of tens of thousands of natives in Gaza, whilst much of the world looks on in horror. I propose that Herzl's willingness to make that little moral compromise of gentle expropriation to spirit the penniless population across the border is at the root of this. Returning to my assertion in the introductory episode that Zionism is a kind of cult, a hallmark of a cult is that its members exist to serve it. This is in contrast to a healthy group which exists to serve its members. Zionism was intended to be the saviour of the Jewish people. It would serve them. As I noted in episode 8, historian Tom Zegov observes that, after the Jaffa riots, this role reversed and Jews across the world were called upon to save Zionism. In the last episode, Vladimir Jabotinsky called for militarily trained Jews in every country from which it is possible to sail for Palestine. Now, Zionism, the thing that exists to protect Jews, has murdered a Jew for disagreeing with its goals and methods. That's why I think this incident is important, not necessarily because of its historical impact, but because of the moral line that was crossed. On the murder of Dehan, Zionist Labour Party member Moesh Bellinson is said to have written, quote, the flag of our movement must not be tarnished, neither by the blood of the innocent, nor by the blood of the guilty. Otherwise, our movement will be bad, because blood draws all the bloods. Blood always takes revenge, and if you walk down this path once, you do not know where it would lead you. End quote. This is an unattributed quote on Wikipedia, so I've no idea whether it's true or not, but it makes the point perfectly. With this line crossed, what would Zionism now be prepared to do to Jewish people in furtherance of its goals? Thank you for listening. My details are in the info box. 
and any donations to keep the show going are greatly appreciated. Thank you very much to all those people who have donated since last time. I've also included a link to Christian Aid's Gaza Crisis Appeal. 